Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sustainable Finance Podcast, brought to you by Ceres. I'm Paul Ellis, your host for these programs about developments in this fast-growing industry. Ardian recently announced the final close for its America's Infrastructure Fund at $2.1 billion U.S. That's the America's Infrastructure Fund 5. The symbol is AAIFV. Its team includes Mark Bacola, who has joined us today, and they have deployed more than U.S. $1 billion in six investments across the energy, renewables, and transportation sectors so far. Ardian is a pioneering manager in decarbonizing infrastructure assets in line with global climate change agreements, and a major renewable energy portfolio is part of this commitment. Ardian is also introducing energy efficiency policies across all its portfolio companies. In a recent press release about the team's funding success to date, Mark said, the market opportunity for high-quality, mid-market infrastructure assets is compelling, and even more so with the powerful tailwinds from the Inflation Reduction Act. We'll hear more about the opportunity in a moment from Mark, but before we start, I want to say a few words about our sponsor. I'm thrilled to talk about the important work Ceres is doing. Ceres is a nonprofit organization working with the most influential capital market leaders to solve the world's greatest sustainability challenges. Through their powerful networks and global collaboratives of investors, companies, and nonprofits, Ceres drives action and inspires equitable, market based, and policy solutions throughout the economy. To learn more, go to series.org slash podcast. That's C-E-R-E-S dot org slash podcast. At Series, sustainability is the bottom line. Hello, Mark, and welcome to the Sustainable Finance Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Paul. I'm glad you were able to join us today. And let's begin uh, by having you describe the investment strategy for the Audian Infrastructure Fund. That's A-I-F-V, A-A-I-F-V. <laughs> Lots of A's in there. Thank, no, thank, thank you, Paul. And for us, you know, focusing on specifically on our, our America's Fund, what we're doing is the goal is to invest in a diversified portfolio of essential infrastructure assets. And again, for our America's portfolio, that is in OECD countries in the Americas. So today that's Canada, the United States, Mexico, Chile, and Colombia. Although we'll have a focus, at least 85% of the investments will be in the US or Canada. And as you said at the start, we're focusing on three separate verticals. We have transportation infrastructure, telecommunications infrastructure, and energy infrastructure. And we're uh, investing in the mid-market. So for us, our definition of mid-market is an equity check of between $100 million and up to $600 million with our limited partner co-investors. Okay. Now, what kinds of opportunities are you seeing across these three sectors? And uh, where are you seeing those opportunities in the Americas? Sure. No, we're we're seeing opportunities, a, a lot of opportunities in in all three sectors, um, and really across the geographies. But you know, focusing first on on you know going by sector, you know, on the in the transportation sector, we're starting to see more opportunities in the electrification of vehicle fleets. So uh, we're seeing opportunities in transportation in in classic infrastructure, where roads and bridges, where there are more P three opportunities that are coming, and we're 
think we're just starting to see more opportunities there as the the rules of the road for the the Jobs Act, the Infrastructure Act that was passed earlier this year are are starting to come out. And then I'm not sure where this the and there's one that kind of we're seeing more opportunities on on electric on electric charging opportunities, which is really a mix between I'd say energy and transportation opportunities. Not really sure where the battery the battery falls there, just a, a different use case. But we're certainly seeing opportunities there. Um, you know, in telecommunications infrastructure, lots of opportunities in the fiber space, and that's both long haul fiber and fiber to the home, and that's really just an extension, I think, of what we saw through the pandemic with all the work from home there's just much more data much more remote working uh and there's just there's more infrastructure that's required as these new data centers come uh, come online also seeing opportunities in in data centers and again, it's something i think we expect to see continuing to go you know for for decades to come uh and then the energy you know the you know most obvious is on the energy side certainly with uh with classic renewable investments, you know, more solar and wind opportunities coming as we're seeing the decarbonization of the uh, of the energy markets in the United States. Uh, still seeing opportunities in natural gas. It's really a, a more as a bridge fuel, but as as power companies move from coal away from coal to renewables again, using natural gas as a bridge, and as I mentioned earlier, in the energy storage space, uh, starting to see that as more intermittent renewables are starting to penetrate the market. Uh, the, the, the batteries really allow for a more efficient integration into the into the system, given, again, the intermittency of those, uh, the inherent intermittency of those, those products. You know, that's one thing that I want to spend just a little bit more time on, Mark. Uh, I think a lot of our listeners probably don't know what that storage and transmission process is about when you when we're talking about renewable energy sources and resources. Uh, so can, can you expand a little bit more on that storage uh, and getting the power to where it is uh, going to be used part of the process? Sure. No, it's a, a great question. Um, you know, the, to really simplify it, generally where the, the wind generally blows in the United States across the Midwest and the best solar, uh, the best solar resources generally are not in urban areas. And, and again, also given the, the, uh, the amount of land that you need for these assets, it just doesn't really lend itself to having the resources near where the end user is. Um, and in addition to that, uh, maybe the most obvious statement of the day, right? The wind, the, the 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 sun shines during the day, so you get most of the solar generation during the day. And generally, wind blows more at night than it does during the day. So they're nice complementary resources. But again, you can't tell, uh, as opposed to fossil generation, where you can have more certainty of the time of day it's going to be running. You know, again, you're getting wind at night and solar during the day, and that's not necessarily where your demand uh, the demand is. So you have two issues. First, getting the the electrons from where they're generated to the load centers. So generally from more rural areas to more populated areas. And then the time of day issue that you, you just inherently have with, with this. So with uh, that, that's where, you know, to your, your question, where there's big opportunities and material uh, material opportunities in both transmission. So just taking the electrons from the, the generation point to, to markets. And then the time of day issue, that's where storage can come in, you know, being able to harvest the resources when they're used and move them to a more efficient time of day. And as renewable resources have become a larger part of the, the generation fleet. So in the U.S., it's about 10 or 11 percent of the wind and solar are about 10 or 11 percent of the, the actual generation 
in, in the U.S., um, you know, you're just getting it to the most efficient time to be used. You need to put the you need to put batteries, uh, use batteries to help really balance balance the grid and, and shape the shape the generation. And you know, the third time I'm saying now, you actually you need to get it to where where you know you need to pull it from the Midwest to the to the city centers where where the electrons uh, you know can be used most efficiently. Yeah, you know, there's a I'm sure you're familiar with the the Bloomberg. Uh, uh, tower in New York City. Uh, I believe it's all run on uh, renewable energy. And I believe at least some of the sources are from uh, solar arrays on the tops of warehouses in Brooklyn and uh, the Bronx. Uh, that's at least it is some of the, the, the closer power access that they have. But this is a fascinating part of, of the whole energy sector. And I think there's a, a lot more uh, ways that it can be developed and the, and the power can be stored and transmitted. So looking forward to audience contribution to that. Now, how will America's recently passed Inflation Reduction Act influence the market opportunities for high-quality mid-market infrastructure assets? I mean, I think the first thing that the the IRA will do is it it gives certainty to renewable energy developers that there there are go, there's going to be an incentive scheme in place for the next decade. Historically, renewable generation has kind of been done in fits and starts that have matched the the tax incentives that are in place. I'm mainly talking about the production tax credit for wind assets and the investment tax credit for solar assets. They had smaller windows, one, two, three year time periods where it would get uh, it would get renewed. So you'd have a bunch of developers rushing to get projects done. And if you missed the window, you were potentially out of luck. So that window would close. So now you have a 10-year runway that will allow developers again to more efficiently put their put their projects in place. I think there's also, you know, given uh, you know, it's really been about 15 years now that solar and wind have been uh really growing and you're seeing a more of an installed base. In that time, some lessons have been learned and some of those uh, you know, around, you know, historically you've had storage put at the site where battery storage at a at a generation site. Uh, the new IRA now allows for standalone storage uh, incentives, which I think will be able to more efficiently place those around the grid, which should again help more more assets come uh, more assets come online. Um, we're seeing more, you know, around the tax credits themselves, more flexibility in who can invest in those tax credits, the transferability of those tra tax credits, again, just to help make the the process of developing an asset more efficient. And there's no ceiling on the amount of tax credits that can be put into place. So again, it's basically an unlimited bucket. So, you know, if you do get your, your project developed, you're, you're certain to be able to get access to those credits. So I think that that, uh, you know, for regular way, solar and wind is important. And I think, you know, going forward, there's more incentives for projects, maybe further down the road for things like hydrogen, for green hydrogen, for uh, carbon capture and car carbon sequestration projects, again, capital available for kind of the next generation of technologies that, again, will lead you know, to the goal of um, a more decarbonized energy space in, in the United States. Yeah, you know, uh, Mark, one of the things that I've been reading about the act and the way all of this is going to unfold suggests that the political dynamics are are pretty much uh, split right down the middle between uh, more liberal and more conservative approaches to these long-term infrastructure projects. In other words, the idea is that 
many of the opportunities that are focused on energy and renewables and decarbonizing the, uh, the global economy are providing funding and tax credits to states that are historically more conservative in their political approach. So it seems like there's, in, a, in addition to the long runway to begin with for these programs to be developed, it seems like there might or there could be less political infighting around the actual work that needs to be done. So we'll, we'll keep track of that and come back to you and, and find out how Audien's doing on that down the road. So tell our listeners now about the renewable energy uh, and decarbonizing infrastructure opportunities that are at hand in today's market. Yeah, again, you're going to hear you're going to hear more of the same from me now. But you know, in addition, you know, there's certainly opportunities of investing in operating assets. There, there's a very liquid market for trading, uh, operating or under construction, or actually even late stage development, wind projects, solar projects, and and battery storage projects, and not just projects. Investing in companies and, and development teams that are that are working on these assets and managing these these assets. Uh, there's still, uh, again, another a, a liquid market for clean burning natural gas assets, it's especially in geography or jurisdictions that don't necessarily lend themselves to to standard renewable assets. Um, I'm thinking, you know, thinking more areas that for whatever it's forest covered, so it doesn't doesn't make much sense for for solar. Uh, you're in areas that are too hill, too mountainous where it may not make sense for wind uh, that still may have a lot of coal fired generation there. So, you know, going to natural gas, again, it's a, it's a step in a transition towards, uh, you know, a, a lower carbon footprint in the in the electric generation space. Yeah, and I think it's it's very important for our listeners to hear what you just said over and over again, because I think when some uh, consumers and investors think about renewable energy, uh, it looks very attractive on the surface. And we all know that it's, as you suggested, currently only about 10% of the total infrastructure and delivery of energy. So it's going to be uh, at least a couple of decades before we can gradually wean our off of those uh, more carbon intensive fuel sources and investors need to be patient about that uh, in my experience uh, uh, and not expect too much too soon uh, so um, and, and if you think about it right the transition really started 30 years ago it was it a did. transition from coal to gas and now it's a, a transition you know to to non-carbon emitting sources and you know, it's we. It's the United States is a big market. The the world. It's a it's a continent, right? So it, it's a it's a capital intensive business, and the the existing transmission infrastructure is set up in a way where you know the the, the molecules are the, the electrons are moving from areas that were were rich in in fossil fuels, and it, it's going to take a long time for that to, as you said, decades uh, for it to to continue to transition. Yes. So now. As a follow-up to that question, uh, what's your outlook on the broader U.S. infrastructure investing landscape for 2023 and beyond? How much of the how much of of the current, let's say, oil and gas infrastructure are we going to adapt and use uh, to transport energy and molecules from one place or another or to another? And how much are we going to have to build in terms of new infrastructure? That's another good question. Uh, you know, looking into my crystal ball, I think <laughs> I, I think that we'll end up seeing actually a lot of the existing infrastructure 
maybe repurposed or you and I think a lot of it will go to my my point earlier on some of the 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 newer technologies that are being put in place. So I think you know we have you know hundreds of billions of dollars worth of power infrastructure in the United States right now and there are ways to decarbonize that over time whether it be with carbon capture and sequestration potentially with low carbon fuels moving to uh to hydrogen so i think if we are ever if that does happen on a on a large scale at least in my opinion we'll have to reuse or repurpose a lot of the existing infrastructure and you'll probably end up with a lot of the same players in our oil and gas industry involved in that and it, i think the goal at the end of the day has to be you know i, I believe the goal is you know, for for lower carbon, how you get there? There's lots of different ways to do it, and you know, 30 years ago, folks probably didn't think there'd be 10% of the United States with you know with wind and solar generation. 30 years from now, we may look back and say, you know, have a similar view on on where the market is there. So I, I think it, you know, because it's such a capital intensive uh, business, and because there's so much. Uh, you know, frankly, money to be made in the space that smart people will figure out new technologies to do things the most efficient way to reach that end goal of of lower carbon emissions. Uh, again, whether it be sequestration or capture and sequestration, whether it be new low carbon fuels and then a mix of, of the of, of wind and solar power. I think there are lots of ways to get to the end goal and lots of people, different people looking to do it. And the IRA is a, is a helpful way to get some of those new newer technologies started. Yeah, yeah. And you know, Mark, we're not really uh, talking about this today. But of course, outside of all the physical infrastructure uh, that you're working on in your fund, there's all the technologies that are available and the artificial intelligence and all of these new ways of looking at and predicting risk over long periods of time that are more and more accurate all the time as well. So uh, I'm very excited about the way things are unfolding uh, in the infrastructure sector. And of course, uh, the Inflation Reduction Act is a great contributor. I've heard, uh, I was reading an article in the Atlantic last week that suggests that when all is said and done, that it's really worth about $800 billion of total value in terms of build out over the next 10 years. So, Mark, tell our listeners where online they can find out more about Audience Infrastructure America's Fund and how they can get in touch with you about the opportunities that we've discussed in today's podcast episode. Sure, Paul. I mean, the best way to find out more about Ardian, you can just you can go to our website. It's www.ardian.com. And for more specific questions on transactions or or you know ways that we can work together, you know, my email address is mark.vacola, V is in Victor, O-C-C-O-L-A at Ardian.com. Great. Well, thanks again, uh, Mark Vicola, co-head of the Ardian Americas Infrastructure Team, and to our sponsor, the Series Accelerator for Sustainable Capital Markets. The Series Accelerator is a center of excellence within series that aims to transform the practices and policies that govern capital markets to reduce the worst financial impacts of the climate crisis. For more information, go to series.org slash accelerator. That's C-E-R-E-S dot org slash accelerator. And to our listeners, join us again next week for another episode. I'm Paul Ellis, and this is the Sustainable Finance Podcast. Sustainable.